Hello everyone, indeed. Welcome to part 3 of Metanorn's look back at Katanagatari. If you're just joining us, this is a series of podcasts we're doing about this show from 2010, which is re-airing this season on Noitamina. Today we'll be talking about episodes 5 and 6. I'm your host, Min, and I'm joined as usual by Jero. Hello. And we have another special guest for you this week, Amuro. What's going on? Hey, thank you for uh, joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Granted, it's been a while since I've seen Katana Guitari, but I'm always up for <laughs> good discussion. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I'm uh, one of the co-hosts of the Anavision podcast, along with uh, Jero, Steve, and XCOM. Um, <clears throat> I've been doing it for a little while now. Uh, before that, we used to blog a little bit. Not so much now. Other than that, I'm just you know keeping myself busy playing games, watching anime, and All working. Right. <laughs> That sounds uh, pretty similar to my life. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess uh, I can thank you for making this series possible, series of podcasts possible, because you were the reason, actually, that Jero got to watch Katanagatari, right? Yes, indeed. Uh, it was part of our uh, Anavision Host Challenges series. Basically, the four hosts came up with... Uh, we took turns giving each other challenges, which basically boils down to playing something or watching something that we hadn't, uh, you know, already uh, experienced mm -hmm. before, right? So I figured, me being the only person that had seen Katana Katari uh, amongst the uh, the group, I said, you know, hey, Jero, why don't you uh, why don't you watch that? I mean, you liked uh, Bakemono Katari. It's by the same author. It's uh, got a similar style, so... You know, you might uh, you might dig it, and to my surprise, I mean, well, to, at least to my pleasure, yeah. <laughs> Jero, Jero liked it. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I am responsible for this. <laughs> yeah, and, and then I gave him Mushishi to watch, so I, oh, uh, and worked I worked out pretty well. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm afraid uh, Mushishi is one I haven't had a chance to see yet, but I've heard good things about it. Oh yeah, I definitely recommend it. All right. So yeah, well, let's get right down to it. Episodes five and six. So, episode five is kind of coming right off the uh, disappointment of episode four, or the trolling of episode four, right? Yeah. And, and uh, after the podcast that we recorded with Natasha, I went and checked it out, and then I could understand the uh, the, the feeling trolled and the rage over not getting such a great fight. Yeah, you you have to to be, to be able to understand it. You have to see that preview. From episode three, because you know, otherwise you have no idea what to expect. You're just you just go into it, you get an episode, 
if you see that preview and you see the amount of detail they put into animation for that fight sequence, you're like, holy crap, you get your expectations up. Especially with the original run, it was a month between episodes. You gotta remember <laughs> this. You know, a month between episodes, you got, you're excited for it, you see it, and then you get that. You get <laughs> Shichiko's sister trolling those poor, poor ninjas. <laughs> And uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, I thought I thought it was kind of brilliant, but at the same time, you know, I was also a little disappointed. Yeah, I think uh, that's sort of the same feeling I had. Uh, but yeah, so episode five actually has its own kind of twist to it, I guess, in that we have the fifth sword, Zokuto Yoroi, which is not really a sword. So up until now, we've the swords have all been actually swords. This one is a suit of armor. It's a, it's a pretty uh, strange twist. <laughs> it's a suit twist. of armor made out of swords. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this this sets the uh, the trend, right? Because later on we start seeing the swords get weirder and weirder. And then, you know, uh, you finally get to that last gun. <laughs> uh, gun, yeah, it's not, it's not right. even a sword, it's a gun. <laughs> right, so, uh, it's, it's, you know, this is kind of a little spoilery if you haven't watched past. But, of course, I will say that if you watch episode one carefully, you will have seen every single sword that this yeah. uh, show has to offer, or at least the silhouette of every single sword, and the silhouettes make it pretty clear what they are. Yeah, so yeah. yes. <laughs> I, I mean, it is one of those things that, hey, this was uh, you know, almost half the sh- or I guess about a third of the show ago, and in, in the when you're watching it, it's months in between, so most people probably you know, aren't paying it that close attention, not yeah. not going to remember every single little silhouette that came up. So, and yeah, this armor is owned by a pirate leader named Kanara Azekura. We kind of see his backstory of how he became one uh, when his ship was attacked by pirates. And he is, he kind of owns this town that Shichika and Togame go to in order to, um, well, they're trying to get the sword from him, but he comes to them before and proposes a challenge saying, hey, beat me in a cage match, basically, and you can get the sword. But if I beat you, then Togame has to marry me or, you know, be my woman, I think he says. Yeah. And I will, yeah, and I will help her collect the rest of the swords. So I thought that was interesting that this is four, five episodes in and we've kind of gotten into a rhythm of Togame and Shichika going to a place and picking up a sword, doing that, but the thought of them splitting hasn't, hasn't really entered my mind at least, and here there, that's a very real possibility because Togame's goal doesn't really involve Shichika. And uh, I thought one of the neat things here was uh, like we also get to see the two kind of interact a lot more. Mm-hmm. Or in in kind of a romantic way, almost. I, I mean, it still feels very naive. Shichika is very um, young. Shichika is very inexperienced. <laughs> right, right. He, he just like you know. Remember, this is the guy that couldn't tell the difference between what men and women until you know Shichika. Uh, I mean, Togame pointed it out to him. You know, like he he couldn't tell the difference between individual people because he grew up on an you know on an island alone with his sister. So. 
Like, uh, I think the, the hot springs scene or, you know, the bath scene in this, in this episode is probably one of my favorite parts of this episode because, <laughs> you know, you get to see them. I mean, on top of seeing Togami <laughs> in the bath, right? And, and might I say, she's pretty stacked for such a small frame. <laughs> she's um, older than she looks. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to give it to her there. Um, yeah, you just get to see them get closer to each other. There's the whole, all the stuff where, where she wraps Shichiko around in her hair so that she can, so that he can get used to her smell or whatever, like stuff like that. I, I just enjoyed watching. But, uh, but yeah, like I mean, what you, what you said earlier, you know, about uh, about them kind of splitting up, maybe. You know, yeah, her joining up with uh, Shichika was completely out of convenience, right? She needs him to secure her goal of you know collecting all those swords so if there was a better option for her you know it would stand to reason that she would use that option right and she points out that having a pirate king as her sword would be a very big advantage because this guy has a lot of people under him uh, a huge network of pirates that he can uh, use but you know in the end they stick together, well, partly because Shichika beats him, but it's it's like in, uh, Togame asks Shichika before the fight, like, you know, what would you do if you lost and had to go home? And, you know, would you like that? And you can see that, first of all, Shichika is very uh, aloof. He's, you know, he doesn't respond like, no, I love you and I can't stand to not be with you. And she kind of uh, chastises him for not doing that. Tells him, you know, you gotta really show your love. You really have to uh, feel that passion, I guess, that he really doesn't have, except for, I guess, fighting. That's the only thing he really enjoys. <laughs> it's the only thing he really knows. <laughs> um, and this episode also introduced some pretty major characters, as we'll find out in the rest of the show. I think uh, the first beginning with is uh, Princess Hite and her... Uh, I don't know. Servant. Yeah, her servant Emon Zaimon, who we see uh, doesn't, or we never see his face. He has a cloth over it with the Chinese letter on it, or kanji. Mm-hmm. Um, and we only see them very briefly in the cold open. They're kind of uh, just talking about uh, Shichika and Togami's progress. Uh, I don't think there's too much revealed about them at this point, but. Uh, no. I think we just, the most we know is that she's some kind of rival to Togame. As you note, that their relationship is pretty verbally abusive, especially toward Amonzaman. Right. She really doesn't stop, like, insulting him at every corner about how, what a pathetic loser he is. And I, I don't know. It seems like he kind of gets off on it or really. <laughs> she's, an S, you know. she's an S and he's an M. <laughs> yeah. It's a match made in heaven, I guess. I know, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a brief scene. It's kind of um, yeah, in anticipation, I guess, for future, kind of letting us know that there's more to Togami's journey. We're also introduced to uh, Houwo, who is the uh, leader of the Maniwa Ninja. So, you know, up until now, tw- out of the 12 ninja, we've already seen six of them killed. Mm-hmm. And he's come to Togame uh, to work out a deal, saying, hey, uh, like, we're kind of no match for you guys, so would you mind if we continue to get, go after the swords, but not in the same order as you guys, so that uh, we can 
keep collecting without running into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so this had a couple pretty intense scenes in in their uh, encounter. Uh, the first that gets is that he first offers to cut off his left arm as a token, uh, a gesture saying, mm-hmm. you know, I know our clan has wronged you because if you recall in episode one, Togami mentions that she has used Maniwa Ninja before, but they betrayed her trying to steal the swords. So, you know, this is my gesture saying, hey, let's uh, try to start anew. And, you know, before they can stop him, he just does it, cuts it off. <laughs> that that was pretty funny. You, we see from him being the leader of the clan and having experienced the previous six Maniwa Ninja that have already died, he, he's one that has a good head on his shoulders he is pretty smart and and pretty cunning but you know cutting off his own arm he does have an extreme little bit of weirdness there <laughs> it's I almost mean, as it, if he had something planned <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah and i will note also he's very charming very very good at talking sweetly i think and mm-hmm. he at the same time though he's kind of carries a big stick in that all throughout, even after he loses his arm, and actually he offers to cut off his other arm, which I don't know how he would do that. Maybe he'd use his leg. But Togami stops him. But even after he's just one-armed, she's still scared of what a fight against him is going to be like. And he says, hey, if you refuse my offer, then I guess we'll just have to settle things here on a fight. And that's, you know, he's very cordial about it. At the same time, Togami is realizes that this is a very dangerous threat and yeah he's um yeah he's a very good politician i guess in that he came with basically nothing to offer them (laughs) and left with you know one fewer arm but he was planning on that and uh a way to keep his clan going um and also he got a one-up on togame at the end of their conversation correcting her on her use of chirio which you know, for us English speakers, we know that Cheerio is used in Britain as sort of a greeting uh, or as a goodbye. And, uh, yep. Whereas uh, Togame was under the impression that uh, it was, you know, something you say for to get hyped up, to get energy, when in fact the term is chesto or chest. We have a pretty neat scene where Togame just really flips out over it, <laughs> acting all embarrassed. And I think pretty neat is underselling it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At, at, yeah, she she goes absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, and I think a, it's it's the kind of thing where like her own pride won't let her admit that, you know, she didn't realize she was using it wrong. And then um, I don't think it's we don't do we find out until later that it was um, what's her face, to the blonde haired chick from the yeah yeah Hite that that told her told her the wrong way to use it. I don't think that's until they run into each other in a later episode. But yeah, and I found it especially funny that uh, Shichika is just calmly standing there and telling her, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And she just cannot accept that. She's just so proud of her intellect that, yeah, she needs to find some way to rationalize it or what. And she refuses not to be embarrassed by it, that such a failure is below her. So, you know, in the end of this episode, we actually have the fight between Shichika and Kanara. 
the uh, interesting thing here is that in the beginning of the episode or halfway in, you see Shichika using a technique that is armor piercing, they say. She, mm-hmm. You see him kind of slam against uh, Togame and she's untouched, but the mirror behind her is all crushed. There was a pretty funny scene there, I thought, where he says, oh yeah, my father told me to do it this way, but I just trust my instinct. <laughs> <laughs> and Togami's like, what? You use that dangerous a technique on me like that? He tries to use it against Kanara in their duel, but doesn't work. Turns out uh, Shikizaki Kiki must have planned for that, so it doesn't hurt him, but also turns out Hey, Shichika is like really, really strong. So he just picks him up and drops him and beats him that way. <laughs> yeah, I, my my favorite part of that is that Togame, you know, has to remind Shichika, hey, you're thinking too much. Just do what you always do and go based off your instinct. You know, like he literally he said, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot my simple nature. I just got to pick <laughs> him up and throw him. <laughs> yeah, the weight of his own armor will beat him. <laughs> right. Yes, and um, yeah, I guess it's a happy end that way, except that when they leave, uh, Kanara, because he lost, and we should also note that Kanara is the first guy, first sword owner not to be killed by Shichika. They were battling it out inside of a cage, and they were, it was an exhibition match. They could have been killed, but they didn't die, so... Mm-hmm. He offers to give them a ride back home to Togame's home to kind of report back and bring the swords. But the narrator tells us, no, he was still kind of pissed. So (laughs) he led them to a different place, which is where episode six starts off. Sore loser. Yeah, he's a pirate. They don't really have honor. Yeah, true. But yeah, that was episode five, I think. I would kind of say that after what we've been through with episodes one through four and and we've talked about some of this with flaw finder and uh, especially natasha from from our last podcast is that this kind of felt like just another episode of katana guitari some another weird thing i'm noticing everybody that's on the show says katana guitari differently in some way shape or form <laughs> uh but the, the the action in the uh in the end there with that fight that was it was pretty good it wasn't it wasn't the best i, I like the fight with uh saruga mesai better oh yeah it, uh, this one was kind of short i thought mm-hmm. but the, the fight really boiled down to or actually the whole episode boiled down to you know all your preparation and stuff doesn't really matter <laughs> <laughs> because i mean that they were just betting on that armor piercing technique and when that didn't work he just said hey okay i got this let me <laughs> using brute strength <laughs> right and that's all that's literally all it boiled down to yeah i think really the most interesting parts of the episode wasn't that whole battle but rather the parts when they were meeting uh the ninja and uh because yeah you know he's come and the ninja's always been a sort of a villainous figure in the series and now we get to see their leader and they're gonna starting to become an even bigger part of the show, uh, as we'll see in the second half. Yeah, it's nice to see the manual go an episode without losing one of their own. <laughs> right. There's only 12 of them, and they... they... They had to make up for losing three in the previous episode. <laughs> exactly. So, all right.
but episode six. So in this one, we start off with uh, Shichika and Togame in a very, very cold place. I forget the, exa- the name of the place, but it, they're trying to climb a mountain looking for the sixth sword, Soto Kanazuchi, which is, uh, means twin sword, hammer. They, they're not quite sure what it's going to look like, actually. Togame kind of wonders if it's two swords or something. Um, they're yeah just struggling to survive in the snow. I thought that opening scene was actually pretty funny because Togame's extremely long hair was kind of frozen solid uh, above her, like the bride of Frankenstein or something. <laughs> and they're kind of uh, dealing with the cold uh, very poorly. Shichika's not very good at gauging his own frostbiteness mm-hmm. and falls over. Uh, Togame thinks she's gonna freeze to death at one point and, and begs Shichika if she dies um, to make sure to spread Chirio as uh, the correct term <laughs> among all of Japan and so that, you know, in her honor. And of course, you know, Shichika says, you know, he can't do that. But, you know, thankfully for them, they're saved by a little girl, 11 year old girl named Konayuki Itezura, who is the only survivor of her town, uh, the Itezora clan, mm-hmm. which was recently uh, taken over, uh, buried in an avalanche. And so, yeah, this little 11-year-old girl is the only survivor. She brings them to a cave to warm up, feeds them. But it also turns out that clan is the owner of the sword, and she knows what where it is and what it is, brings it back, and it's uh, so heavy that Shichika can't lift it. It's uh, this big mace, really, mm-hmm. more so than a sword made out of stone. Yeah, compared to the other swords in the armor from last episode, this one looks especially ugly in terms of overall design. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like a bit of a mess. Yeah, so the specialty of this sword, I guess, is that it's ridiculously heavy to the <laughs> point that, again, Shichika can't lift it, but this uh, girl, Kunayuki, she can just use it freely, we see, that her clan is... And she says that she was the weakest of her clan, so basically yeah. her, her clan of now wiped out people were just these ridiculous supermen. And remember, in the previous episode, we had established that Shichika is pretty much the strongest person in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, her, his sister aside, who nobody knows about at this point. But yeah, so... Uh, you know, that's a pretty neat uh, contrast, I guess. Like, uh, Konayuki is very adorable, I thought. The, her, I really liked her design. The uh, white hair, the... She had two colored eyes. Like, all the characters have kind of strange eyes in this show. and She has very adorable ones, I think. She has a missing tooth on her left side. Very... Yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah. She has a very wild look to her, which, you know, fits. <laughs> yeah. So... I guess a lot of this episode really is kind of her story because she, again, she just lost her entire family and friends. And she tells a lie to Togame saying that she can't just give her the sword. They need to prove their worth for it first. So they end up having a duel, Shichika versus Konayuki. But Konayuki just kind of very easily defeats him, mm-hmm. <laughs> partly because she's much stronger than him but also he mentions that he can't really read her because she's not a fighter um th- yeah, it's, this was 
it's an interesting battle to watch because he tries he, he generally stays okay for a while but thing about reading her he he has a hard time and then there it gets to a moment where she actually breaks his left forearm as he tries to block one of her attacks and you get a sense of just how heavy that sword is and it's the first time I can think of that we've seen Chichika lose in battle. Yeah, I think I believe they actually note that this is the first time he's lost or even been injured in a battle. Now, I actually wasn't that big a fan of this whole, you know, it's hard to read somebody with no experience thing. And because yeah. I feel like a good fighter, a good tactician in battle or combat knows how to deal with people who have no experience. It's like if you're a very good chess player, you might have a difficulty with uh, amateurs because they don't follow the rules. But if you're a really good chess player, you are able to defeat amateurs easily because they don't follow the customs and that leads them down the wrong path. You see, so, I, I, th- I see it a little bit differently. I don't think it's so much that she's inexperienced so much as she doesn't subscribe to any particular school. Right, because like you know, a big part of the show is the martial arts, which you know he talks about being a sword, but I mean, really, like his fighting style is a martial art. So right. when you get so ingrained in uh, any particular martial art, you start seeing everything from that point of view. You know, you start seeing how you should uh, grapple someone from you know the point of view of, of fighting with that style. So like I remember watching uh, you know Samurai Champloo. And there was one particular fight where where Jin was fighting a you know a, a hired assassin in like in a forest, you know a bamboo thicket, and you know he's talking about how you know this is this is way different than fighting in a dojo, and you know like uh, so I think that that can apply right like so I think that's really more what he was getting at than you know than like oh she's inexperienced so I can't get a read on her it's more like you know she's not she's not fighting with a particular style. And that's what was throwing them off. And there's an unpredictability for her that he hasn't exactly taken into account. Right. Yeah, um, okay, there's the unpredictability, which kind of works, especially because Chichika was specifically trying not to kill her, which mm-hmm. is, uh, again, different from every other fight he's had. Uh, yeah. It's but... taken into the account that she really is way 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 stronger than she looks <laughs> yep and but and it, i don't know you know like when you get into anime right you always talk about like oh i can sense his killing intent or whatever and <laughs> like that's what that's what allowed me to uh to know that the attack was coming or you know oh, that right. kind of bs right but i mean like yep. you know she's the innocent type who who doesn't have that type of uh you know like uh, you know later in the episode um i don't want to i don't want to <laughs> well, no, let's. I don't want I to get want, ahead of myself. So yeah, go. I actually want to bring that up so. because, um, well, yeah. So we, talking about her battle against Shichika, we can't really complete that without her talking about the second battle against Shichika, where the uh, one of the ninja come and she's. So let's rewind a bit. So in the middle of the episode, we see a scene with uh, the remaining six survivors of the Maniwa ninja clan. I won't go over all of them here, but we see Ho-Wo again, and one of the others, which who we actually don't see in that scene, is Kyoken, who is this purple wolf-design-looking woman, and she has the special ability of being able to jump from body to body, but only 
among females. So when she arrives, she jumps right into Kwanayuki's body, realizing that she's incredibly strong. And then she battles Shichika. Uh, ultimately, she gets defeated because uh, Shichika attacks the tattoos that transfer from her original body to Kwanayuki and ends up killing her, but not the little girl. Uh, you know, everyone's happy. Yay. Yeah. But. It's almost like uh, in a video game, the weak points are glowing. <laughs> right. But the, one of the reasons Shichika says he's able to defeat her this time is because uh, Kyoken says, hey, I've jumped from like over 2,000 bodies in my lifetime. They're, most of them were really amazing female ninja. I know every single martial art that you could have ever you know, faced and, and then you know, gets defeated because uh, of it. The thing here is that this is a, you know, this is a martial arts master who whose techniques Shichika hasn't seen before, but because she, I don't know, she has structure or some sort of rhythm to her battles, that that allows Shichika to read her and counterattack in an effective way. Um, you know, what you said about that you know, a martial artist can get into sort of a predictable pattern or, or looking for a predictable pattern where there is none, that would make sense if this was a enemy that he had faced before or her style he'd seen before but this was again a, a woman fighting with years or lifetimes of, of experience that Shichika couldn't possibly have gotten accustomed to in his lifetime right so, but I, I don't think it's necessarily about having seen it before so much as you know he was able to read the fact that she was willing you know that she was going to attack right because I think there's an uncertainty like you know there's the uncertainty when he's fighting Konoyuki that he doesn't know whether she's even going to attack or not where you know when she goes into when uh the mighty one ninja goes to attack it's very clear she's telegraphing right mm-hmm. so i think that's the key difference here is that because she's using a style because she's using her techniques that she's you know gotten or whatever that she's making her intent to attack obvious so that he suddenly knows when to counter when to do what you know what he's gonna do so i don't think you know yeah experience plays into it but i think that's the thing is that she's relying on that experience when he's like okay i just have natural talent and that's that's clear that's just what he is (laughs) yeah well see i think it would have been better if as you had talked about the uh, aura or the you know in like um, dragon ball they talk about sensing key or in a lot of it yeah killing intent if he had talked mainly about that because that i can actually see that yeah kunayuki you know she might be wild and all that but also she doesn't really have much of a killing intent and we've already established that shichika can see an aura around swords because he himself is a sword and he detected the the third sword uh, tsuruga that way yeah when he's fighting the actual martial artist the ninja yeah she's coming after him with intent to kill so that could have been a easy out but when he's talking about like the technique and the movement again i feel like a good martial artist doesn't telegraph his or her moves even while sticking to his or her style that's the whole point of the martial art that you attack without the person being able to counter so <laughs> at that part kind of i was a little again i'm still disappointed by it explanation i think it could have been twisted just a little bit and it would have been much better 
Yeah, well, it, it didn't bother <laughs> me too. It, it didn't really bother me too much when you consider the other <laughs> the kind of stuff that you you know one this anime pulls off and two the other stuff all other anime pulls off. <laughs> like I, I mean. mean in the in I guess in the setting for the uh, for the episode, it, it made sense to me at least when I watched it. I mean, okay. if I can accept that uh, that the tiny little girl, you know, has ridiculous super strength. <laughs> also, uh, oh oh, uh, I'm I'm actually have the episode pulled up. One thing that uh, you guys were, you mentioned about the uh, the sword being twin swords or whatever. Mm-hmm. The reason it had, it had been called that is because, uh, like Jero mentioned, because of the ugly shape of the sword, it didn't have a clear beginning or end to it so that you could actually hold it you know from both ends uh, or however which uh, however which way you choose so that's where it got its name of uh, being a pair of swords right yeah it's uh, it's more more of a, a blunt instrument so you, yeah you can hold it it's from more, both it's ends. more of a club <laughs> right and uh, yeah this episode's besides a uh, Kyoken the uh, wolf ninja who got killed we also see uh, another ninja get killed, this time by uh, the leader, Ho-Wo. Uh, so, Kawauso, who is the leader of the uh, beast squad of the ninja, comes along, along with the Ho-Wo, in order to stop Kyoken. They come too late, right after uh, Shichika killed her. But they s- realize, you know, their alliance that they formed last month is broken now, because they weren't supposed to come and attack her. So Ho-Wo, always the, uh, you know, looking for a, I don't know, a grand gesture, just flat out kills Kawasa right in front of him and says, here, you ha- this, is, this is my gesture again to kind of win back your trust. Can we keep the truce? Or if you don't, again, we can fight right now, right here. So you see him kind of making the exact same offer from the last episode <laughs> where he's sacrifices something major in this case uh, Kawaoso besides being just a ninja his his special ability was to uh, read minds or memories from inanimate objects so it wasn't really clear they didn't explain it too much because he died before he could use it but it seems like the idea is you know he could pick up an item and remember what that item experienced and that is obviously really great for information gathering, which mm-hmm. the ninja are specialists in. So Ho-Wo was saying, look, we lost. We just lost this amazing source of information. I killed him <laughs> right in front of you. Could you please you know, forgive us and go back to our original agreement? Or I'm, we can fight it out right now. So yeah, I really love this guy's style, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like any of his ninja... Or any of his own body parts are expendable for the sake of the truce. And we see, as I mentioned, zero many one ninja died in the last episode two this week. So we're back on track to uh, having them killed by the end of eight or whatever. <laughs> right, there's only four left. And yeah, speaking of that expendability, when ho mentions to Kawao, so I might have to kill you to earn back her trust. He just says, oh, that's interesting. Um, I, I've never died for my clan before, but hey, that sounds like a cool experience. Um, I'll get to see my buddies up in heaven, you know? So, yeah, they just have no sense of, uh, I don't know, value of human life. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if we all could think like that? <laughs> I don't know. 
that's that's oh, such a it's, it's strange way to think. Kind of grim when you think about it, but uh, ninja, but it's ninja such a think, carefree lifestyle. <laughs> ninja think very differently to us. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. did like the scene when they were running though to uh, Togame. There, you see them just kind of sprinting along the road or along like grass and f- fields, and they're ta- calmly talking when it looks like they're probably running faster than Usain Bolt the whole time. But, yeah. So, in in the end, of course, uh, they collect the sword, they become friends with Konayuki, and they actually send her to the shrine from episode 3, which, if you recall, was for women who had been left for dead or you know, shunned by society. Mm-hmm. Now, Konayuki is kind of a special case because she didn't actually kill her own clan or anything like that. She's generally seems like a nice girl we don't actually see her harm anyone except that one battle with shichika mm-hmm. but yeah she's totally willing to give that sword up and in fact she has to be because she's the only person who's able to lift that sword at all yeah. i think that's one thing we kind of glossed over was that i think it was togami and shichika both who recognized that just how lonely she is living by herself with nothing else to do but staying up on this mountain. So in the end, it was good to see her uh, being able to go somewhere else and hopefully, you know, find other people to just uh, be with. Yeah, it's... um, And, you know, building on that, she's not only lonely, she is holding back some pretty, you know, disturbing stuff from Mm -hmm. Togame and Shichika. She never mentions it, but when Kyoken jumps into her body... She can read her memories, apparently. So, and she sees this person laying waste to her town. That it actually wasn't an avalanche that killed everyone off. It was someone. So, you know, what's the deal with that? Well, unfortunately, this episode doesn't tell us. But, uh, I mean, it'll be revealed quite shortly in the next episode. Um, To continue on that. The narration at the end of this episode kind of gives away what's going to happen in the episode seven, which is that Shichika will kill his sister. <laughs> so yeah, they're it, they're not very coy about it. <laughs> yeah, I like how they keep playing with expectations like that because, of course, we were talking about early uh, in this podcast about episode three preview mm-hmm. of episode four, which was com- a complete lie. So you know, there's. Could this be a lie as well? When you're watching it for the first time, hey, it might be. But if yeah, by yeah. the way we're talking, I'm sure you you know that yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah. So for listeners that are listening to this and are watching along at episode six, we didn't spoil you because you don't know if it's a troll or not. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's some Jedi mind trick right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, ultimately, I don't think. Either way, it's it doesn't. It, this is a episode seven, so fantastic. I think it really can't be spoiled. But we'll we can leave that for a next time. Um, I, I liked episode six. I think better than episode five overall, though. Just uh, Konayuki, her as I said before, her design. I really I was a big fan of, and just her story. Uh, yeah, as you said, Jero. Very lonely girl, tragic uh, backstory. It's uh, she's someone I kind of grew to like for one episode, which I think is pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, kind of mildly similar to how I felt about episode 5. Kind of just another episode, but I felt it was a better version of just another episode. We didn't really have anything with Nanami and other and really main development between Togame and Shichika as we did in, in episode 5. But I felt the the characters that were introduced were uh, you know a little bit more enjoyable. I, I know Koniyuki I liked as as a uh, sort of a main not a villain type character. I'm not sure what the exact uh, way to refer to her adversary obstacle yeah, side character <laughs> um, adversary uh, adversary yeah. would be the word, but uh, yeah uh, a better episode than uh, than five Amro any thoughts I thought it was a good episode. Particularly the fight stuff between, you know, I thought the action this episode was certainly better than the uh, than what we got in episode five. Like you said, it sort of feels like another just another episode, but you know, it's all in the small details, right? Like it's the the conversations they have along the way, and you know, like uh, like you're talking about the next episode. This was a lot of setup for the next episode, and you get to kind of uh, really see the depths of how just how ridiculously overpowered a certain someone is. You know that that they could be responsible for, uh, you know, taking out that entire clan of because it, I think didn't she uh, didn't Konoyuki imply that she was like the weakest of all of her clan or something? Yep. You know? Yep. So yeah, I mean, again, this is really it, it really is all uh, uh, set up, uh, and I think it really pays off, especially with the next episode, which is you know a standout of the series. Uh, it's probably one of my favorites. But yeah, all that said, it was an enjoyable enjoyable episode. Yeah, and as as a ending of the first half of the series too, I think it at this point now like all the major characters have been introduced. The we'll we'll still get new characters as episode specific villains or adversaries uh, in the future, but we've seen all the ninja now. Uh, we've you know two thirds of them are dead. And we've even seen uh, Hite and uh, Emon Zaiman very briefly, but they'll become a much bigger part of the second half of the series. And Togame and Shichika, you know, in episode 5, they almost split up. Episode 6, they had some cute talking about, if I die here, what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. So we see them getting much closer to each other. And yeah, this is kind of another episode, or just kind of just another episode. But um, I think... Yeah, it's dropping plenty of things, setting up for second half of the series. I think it's a yeah. good way to end that first half. I mean, amongst all of it, though, um, and it's the narration kind of points us out at the end of episode six. Um, you're you are really seeing a slow progression of uh, Shichika's humanity, and I and I think these two episodes are a pretty good showcase of that, uh, especially the way he felt regret about not being able to defeat um, Kona Yuki and. You know, his desire to go back and try to, you know, beat her again and, you know, right. stuff like, you know, again, his relationship with uh, with Togami kind of – because, of course, like that first episode, he just says, all right, I love you. Um, we're going to follow you. <laughs> like, that's it. So, you know, the, the rest of it was – the rest of the show is literally just them getting closer together and kind of, you know, actually developing a relationship that they said they were going to have. So um, I think that's really where the meat of this story lies. Yeah, I forgot to mention that uh, Togame points out at the end that Konayuki is the first enemy that Shichika 
chose not to kill. So in the previous episode, of course, he didn't kill the pirate leader, but he, you know, had defeated him before he could kill him. But in this one, he specifically chose not to kill her, even though he had been given no orders not to do so. So we see a little bit of development here. He's not just a sword. He has his own choices. Uh, well, all right. Um, I think that might wrap it up. Any final words at all? Anything I'm forgetting? Uh, looking forward to the next podcast when we can talk about one of the biggest episodes in the series. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. If you're if you're watching along for the first time, hold on to your seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll I'll tell you that uh, I thought basically the second half, episode seven, is the turning point for me. It took me a while to really warm up to the show, and I was still pretty skeptical up until the last couple episodes. But like episode seven convinced me like there's something there. Whereas up until then, I was still kind of watching cautiously like is this show really as good as people were talking about well you got to get to the second half but yeah it delivers well anyway yeah thank you for uh coming amuro thank you for having me yeah and uh jero thanks as always for uh you know producing these and co-hosting with me thank you and uh good job hosting again and no taking always super helpful (laughs) Yes, right. because seriously, like I could not remember anything <laughs> 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 until until I saw these notes. And I was like, oh, okay, now I remember. <laughs> All right. Well, for Amuro and Jero, this is Min. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> Ooh.